0: And wait. And baby, I'm TFC till I die. As I've said before, money doesn't necessarily buy you happiness. But those who say that, didn't have their club owners buy them a Frederico Bernardeschi and the Lorenzo Insignia. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Toronto Till I Die. You with your hosts uh, Mike Newell. Jeffrey P. Nesker is back in the saddle. And uh, Mike Singh is away this week, but we do have an amazing uh, substitute appearance by Chris Fung uh, from Waking the Red uh, joining us this week. Gents, how you doing? How was your weekend? uh basking in that two nil away win glow
1: good weekend i mean we're both arsenal fans so our saturday was uh pretty exceptional mike uh thanks for asking uh looking forward to uh not uh trying not to get too disenfranchised by the insane amount of people that are going to be at bmo for both games uh this coming week with the cne and all of that and all of that stuff How how you doing buddy
0: yeah, I'm good. Uh, weekend was great. Obviously, a 2 0 win is great. Uh, I mean, look, Man United also won, uh, which is nice. But there's still a tire fire. Um, they're about to pay 100 million pounds for another winger. Uh, so great. Uh, <laughs> and uh, but I was at funny enough at the CNE and uh, by my weather stage on Friday. I saw Metric mm. and Interpol live. Uh, oh, nice. and That was a, just fantastic night. Great views of both the stadium and the CNE. Uh, but yes, I do also agree with you. Wednesday and Sunday are going to be a madhouse trying to get in and out of uh, that space. Uh, but Chris, yeah. uh, how, how was your weekend? What did you get up to uh, other than uh, you know seeing your your team go top of the table and uh, a two-nil away win?
2: I've actually got to confess, so I'm a bit behind
0: on some of the games. I, I
2: caught up in the TFC game on Saturday. I was getting married, so that... Oh, kind of so oh
1: congratulations.
0: congratulations! Welcome Thank to you. the club, buddy. Thank you. <laughs> Thank
2: you. And uh, so I'm, I'm getting caught up on Arsenal. I actually didn't know the result, but I kind of heard they won. No one...
0: Everyone spoiled it. Because um, okay. I feel like, ooh, uh, we yeah. should probably say yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, rest,
2: it's but... totally all right. Um, but I'm doing fantastic. I'm it's an honor and privilege to be on the show, and thank you so much. So, yes, uh, very excited to be here with you two, esteemed gentlemen. And I had a fantastic weekend, no complaints whatsoever. Awesome, awesome. Well, I
1: mean, you can't, or, or your or or now uh, yeah, spouse is going yeah, to yeah, you can't track you down. That's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spe- speaking of Chris, just to give him a little introduction, he's, uh, he's one of the new blood at uh, WTR. And uh, despite the fact that he doesn't want to take my idea for what to call his analysis column, or his twitter handle um he is bringing the heat at wtr in the grand tradition of the ollie platts and the charlie o'connor clarks he's become the the trusted voice on tactics and it's going you're in for a treat today because he's uh he's written some really 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 in-depth pieces uh on how tfc's playing uh with you know sort of bringing it into the wider perspective of soccer tactics and we're going to have a great time picking his brain today and i encourage everybody in the chat to uh to bring the questions, um, but uh, let's get let's get moving, Mike, because I know you've also got a rundown before we. Yeah, before. absolutely,
0: absolutely, uh, and, and Gents, like let's, let's just jump right into it. Obviously, we talked a little bit uh, about this on the Tunnel Club, but a two-nil away win at Charlotte. Uh, look, a team that you've got to catch, a team that you can now put behind you a little bit, and look, the first half, not much to talk about there. A little bit of a snoozer. Uh, in terms of, uh, and look, I, I think we talked about it, you know, just the idea that a weather delay can sometimes do that uh, to teams. When you're yeah, ready to go I was about to mention, top. yeah. Yeah, and then all of a sudden you have to wait an hour and a bit and then play both teams. But, man, those adjustments at halftime really made a difference uh, for Toronto FC. Uh, I wanted to throw it to you guys just in terms of, before we sort of get into the individual bits there on the runner. I just want to get mm. your general impressions on those changes that Bob Bradley made and sort of what you saw in terms of an encouraging away performance from TFC.
2: Go ahead, Chris. Um, I think one of the big things that I noticed that was encouraging was he did move Lorenzo to the middle. So he did play a bit of that number 10 role, which was excellent. Um, What we saw was a bit of a midfield imbalance. We had Bradley at the back with and Nelson as eights. So it wasn't quite coming off. Neither one of them were like, Awful by any means, but I think you did lose a bit of that ball progression. Both of them are more wingers that kind of carry the ball forward, but they're not as kind of present with their progressive passing, knowing how to really disrupt with the press. So there's a couple, like some things in there that I'm sure we'll get to a bit later, but that big, that one switch to kind of get Lorenzo more central, huge. Yeah. Um, But like Otherwise, it was, it was a good game. Like There's still a heavy reliance on Italians, as we saw. Mm. Like some amazing moments that I'm sure we'll get to. I don't want to get too much into the segment, but some Absolutely. fantastic moments. And then I think the other thing is, uh, defensively, there's a couple things that I noticed that we'll probably get into that you know we might want to watch out for in future matches, that if you've got that keen eye, you probably, as a coach, you'll see some weaknesses back there that we might need to shore up.
1: Absolutely. Love it, love it. I got to apologize to Robert Sarah. I was trying to pin your uh, your comment and I actually blocked you for five minutes, so I'm very, very sorry about that, <laughs> but I'm a little I'm a little bit out of practice. Um, first things first, uh, I don't know if you caught it, but Berna and Lorenzo are on the team of the week for week 27 for MLS, so congratulations all around. Uh, my second note is, I guess Columbus is the new NYC FC because we seem to have our way with them and we're, we're their boogie team with our are there are their bogey team with our new Italians and speaking of the new Italians, I I wanted to thank you, Mike, for doing what we all need to do, which is sort of raise our hat and uh, and take some licks for being so anti our perspective on moments of individual brilliance earlier in the season. <laughs> we didn't yeah. we didn't want them, and now all of a sudden we're a okay with them because they're they're super bangers. You know? Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, I think Chris, you you mentioned the idea of you know imbalance in the team and in that midfield. And, and in a lot of ways, the reliance on the, the DPs is, in a normal time, you'd kind of be like, this is a little concerning. But sometimes it's actually nice to sit back and enjoy the nice things that you get. You know? uh When Fair. when when when, uh, when Daddy Warbucks buys you the new toys, you can kind of some, sometimes just sit back and enjoy the quality. And look, both goals uh, were quality, right? And, and the first goal, you know, they've been trying that sort of set play for quite some time, at least since they've both come in where, you know, uh is trying to swing in that to the far post and Insigne peels off the back, the shoulder of the back defender and either tries to head it back in towards goal or try to take a strike himself. Uh And, and this time it worked out uh, because I mean, like, I, I forgot if it was Jalen Lindsay at the, at the back post that he just peeled away from essentially and ghosted into a little bit of space and, a lot of people were talking about connection and the fact that it wasn't a clean connection. And in fact, in a lot of ways, it was a clean connection in the Mm. way that he wanted to hit that into the ground, right? The way to beat that goalkeeper at that point was to hit it into the ground uh, and cause that moment of uh, confusion, that moment of like freeze him for a second before he can actually make the move. And I thought it was a fantastically taken goal uh, and a well-worked set piece. I mean, I don't think you want to go to that well too many times because I don't think you know, Lorenzo and is necessarily going to be winning uh, a lot of those uh, back post headers and back post challenges uh, with with defenders once they start getting wise to it. But uh, a well taken set piece goal, which again, this team has not been great at this year,
1: yeah, uh, in terms fair. of set pieces. Absolutely, and and then to just fast forward to to Berna's goal or, or Fed's goal, I mean, you you encapsulated it so well on the Tunnel Club. I mean, that's what we loved about Ariane Robin, right? Was that it's, you know, you know exactly what he's going to try and do and you maybe can't stop him. But, but like you, like you said a minute ago, you know, the clock is running on when these moves get figured out by the rest of the league and, and then they're going to have to adapt. Um, But, but like you said, you know, let's enjoy our nice new toys while they, while they sort of run roughshod over, over other teams' defenses.
0: Well, here's the thing, like you mentioned Iron Robin and I, I mentioned this in the Tunnel Club yesterday or the other day sorry just because you know what he's going to do doesn't mean you could stop it
1: exactly like
0: just because you know he wants to cut in on that left foot almost every single time doesn't mean you're going to be able to have the pace or be able to have the defensive now to stop what he's trying to do Mm -hmm. and of course with Richie Larea there you always have that threat that he'll slip Richie in behind and we know and we have seen that Richie Larea will take that to the byline. We'll take it into the penalty box. And either he's getting a good cross away or you're going to foul him and you're going to give away a penalty. Yep, so yep, from that him. perspective, there's going to be a bit of that cautiousness around Bernadeschi because, of course, defenders are going to want to snap in and try to stop him getting a shot off with that left foot or getting a cross in. But that chance that he could reverse that ball back to Richie Larea is always there and therefore they're going to have to play him a bit honestly and that's why Richie is so important I know we're not really getting into to another Richie love fest here but
1: I'm, I'm more a, than willing anytime, I mean I'm more than anytime. willing to yeah. but I yeah. mean
0: Chris I, I'd love to get your thoughts sort of just on that idea of yes we know what these DPs want to do but one they've got the quality and two there's now pieces around that can kind of mitigate teams trying to load up a little bit off
2: uh great point mike so i I think it's interesting because not often do you have two wingers that both like to cut in on their preferred feet sometimes you like to have a bit of a balance where you've got uh one that likes to cut in one that plays a bit more to the outside or one that cuts in but immediately makes a pass and maybe kind of makes another run that kind of overlaps his fullback for sure you you have a bit more variety sometimes in the way that your winger's set up but in the way that mls is they like to kind of force us into certain positions with their DP rules. So we're left in a situation where um, we have two wingers that like to cut inside a lot. And there's nothing wrong with that, as you just said, is those overlapping runs are very key. And in certain instances, you can actually cut in a bit, but then cut back in outside. So we haven't quite seen that as much from either of our wingers. They tend to kind of drift in a lot more. But over time you can get those overlapping and underlapping runs, which become quite frequent in many of the top teams. I also did notice that Berna in the last match didn't use Richie on those overlapping runs as much against Charlotte. And I think a big piece of that is actually not having Osorio on the team. So when you have Osorio there, there's another third person with that interplay between the three of them where you get those moving passing triangles that you really don't see as much yeah. of, especially with Mac out of the lineup as well on that right side to balance things out. So, Absolutely. Really, to answer your question – nothing wrong with it i think a transformational coach over time will allow players to do that because it's what they're good at why force them to do something else but then the secondary part is if you have a system that's going to be good enough to generate chances you're not going to rely on them as heavily as you are right now
0: they and i wonder come. yeah and i wonder just to just a quick side note, just in regards to sort of those passing triangles that you were talking about obviously on that sort of right-handed side you're going to have Berna and um, Richie and generally Osorio he likes to drift out to that right-hand side but on the left we're starting to see that a little bit with Lorenzo and Sydney obviously Chris Chita, who we're going to talk about in a second and now Jaden Nelson now obviously Jaden isn't the progressive passing sort of player that Mac is but you're seeing these small incremental improvements in Jaden when he's playing in that role. And I'm wondering what you're seeing in terms of sort of that, the things that we have been kind of harsh on with Jaden this season, decision-making, you know, just knowing when to drop the ball off and when to make runs into space, you know, basically being more effective without the ball. Um, What are you seeing in those moments in terms of those passing triangles on that left-hand side?
2: so quickly i'm just going to apologize for my cat if anyone else in the audience oh, i haven't i
1: have heard the meowing but no, like, no worries she's there
2: uh, okay so for um it's a it's a great point i've seen tremendous growth in jaden's game and it's it's a Thank lot you. of the little things that a lot of people might not be noticing is he perfect hell no like, there's a no. lot of things he can improve on yeah. i actually find when he's in tight pockets of space he actually combines extremely well with Insigne and, and Crescito on that left-hand yes. side. So if it's a quick movement where he runs and does a one-touch pass, great. As soon as he's given a lot more space and time to think, that's where he can run into some trouble and try mm-hmm. to do too much. So one of the things that TFC lacked before the Italians came was that ability to quickly receive a ball, know exactly like you do a quick scan of who's behind you and quickly turn up field. Jaden's great at that. He is Mm. very, very good at understanding that there's no one on him. He can quickly turn the ball and turn your transitional kind of building out phase directly into attack. What he then struggles with is after he's made that move, he tries to go through two or three people. And that's when the defense collapses in on him and strips him of the ball. Or he makes a bad pass. So if he can kind of work on those aspects of his game... You're seeing that Insigne and Crescido don't just bypass him on every single play. They actually try to involve him a bit more in the, in the interplay. So mm. I think as he improves, we're going to see a bit more of that. But it's that decision making when he has a bit more time and space. That's the next step for Jamie Nelson.
1: Yeah. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't that like sort of the standard with players that are prodigies and excel at the youth level is that they can do that. And so their sort of default setting is to try that. But unfortunately, they're at a level where they're not going to get away with it. They're going to be held honest and and Jaden needs to get it out of his system. I think you're absolutely right, Jeff. Like you've hit the nail on the head. But I
2: think what he does with that information and how he decides to take that next leap is kind of where we need to see the improvement. Otherwise, he's always going to be what he is now. So if he Hmm. can't take that information and progress, then he'll just be stuck exactly as the player he is now. But we've seen him make improvements already. So who's to say he can't make those improvements?
0: And that's Who's to say, yeah. Yeah, and that's where I was going to come in. Sort of like we have seen him progress this year. He's 19 years old, right? This is really the first time that he is getting significant extended runs into the team. Like we've seen him before at the senior level, but it's been little spurts here and there, right? Little yep. little nuggets, little tastes here and there. Now he's getting an extended run in the team. And I think he will take that and grow into 2023. Now, of course, things can happen in the off season. There has been interest from Europe. I don't know if he's really ready for that step yet but mm-hmm. you know if if he is back in 2023 you know i i think they found a piece that can be a a really good uh sort of role player to come off the bench or spot start for mac in those moments where either he needs a break or you know you need something a little bit different because his first step on the ball might be the fastest in MLS like when he mm. when he can get the ball and get his first step away he can ghost by just about any defender in the league Already midfielder in the league, and that is something that a lot of teams in MLS do not have.
2: And do you mind if I jump in?
0: No, go. for No, it. please. So I, I think
2: I think what you're saying is exactly correct, Mike. Like you've captured you and Jeff uh, kind of the Jaden situation perfectly. Uh, when I did some analysis earlier on just for Federico Bernadeschi's like progressive carries and passes, looking at his stats throughout the years, it's quite interesting. Obviously, MLS isn't comparable to Syria but jaden nelson ranks very very highly on progressive dribbles which kind of speaks to exactly what you're saying is his ability to just take the ball and dribble it through in a progressive way of like more than 10 yards up the field is pretty exceptional hmm. he was like over 95th percentile against his peers in that mls at the same position second thing jaden nelson's not a central midfielder so yeah it's central midfield is potentially like the hardest position to learn like outfield position on the field And Jaden Nelson's kind of adapted quicker than I thought. I was frustrated with him at the beginning, but I've seen incremental growth and that only bodes well for him in the future as like, maybe his role isn't out on the wing. Maybe he is going to be a central midfielder and that's even better for us.
0: Well, remember Bob Bradley has a history of taking these wingers um, and and making them into really good central midfielders. I'm now forgetting uh, the name of the player from who was at sporting Kansas city brought into LAFC and made him into, not quite an MLS All-Star, uh, but made him into a, a really good sort of progressive ball-carrying midfielder, and now his name is slipping my mind. Yeah, uh, no, we'll it, just it, call him
1: Player X. Yeah, but yeah, I, 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 I can yeah. visualize
0: him, and I can't remember his name right now. It will pop into me in like, the third segment. Well, but, here,
1: the, the okay, go ahead. No, 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 go so ahead, finish the, your thought. Um, no, there's a lot of people in the comments that are talking about Uh, You know, Jaden Nelson uh, can do well at a mid-table Super League or the Vise Club. And then counter, you know, he's here to stay as a great tool in the box off the bench. If you're, let's play Jaden's agent. Is it too early for him to go to Europe at 19 right now?
0: Depends on what uh, agent you've got. (laughs) If you want agent who wants fees and wants him to move and get paid, then you may be looking at a move to Europe. That's
1: a bad agent, though. <laughs> well,
0: is it, though? Yeah. Right? Because an agent's job is to maximize value for their client, right? And if, That's if, fair. If, That's if fair. The maximizing that value means going to Europe, then you go to Europe. That said, my opinion is that he should stay in MLS for a couple more years. I think we're seeing uh, the migration of young MLS players go over to Europe and kind of not, not completely fail, but struggle to get i mean Mm -hmm. like everybody's looking for the next alfonso davies well alfonso davies is a unicorn unicorn. for a reason right not all of these guys are going to go off and become stars right away it will take them time and they will make mistakes and the one thing about europe is when you go there and you and you don't quite hit the ground running you can be left in the pecking order real quick uh and you can be forgotten about and shipped around and the next thing you know it's a couple of years later and you haven't really progressed as a player and you're back in MLS now kind of almost yep, at yep. the starting blocks. So I actually think it would benefit Jaden to stay in MLS, continue to develop under Bob Bradley. You're learning with Lorenzo Insigne and Federico Bernardeschi and Domenico Crescito on your side potentially of the pitch. <laughs> I, I to me it's like are you really going to go to Belgium and get better? I I I don't know. I that that's yeah. my that's how I see it.
1: That's fair. That's fair. Uh, Everybody wants to talk about the Krishido Nutmeg. Do you have anything to say about it besides how filthy it was?
0: No, just fire. Just like, you know, I saw it and I... You know when you see something really good and you let out an involuntary? Like, that's Mm -hmm. what I did. I let out an involuntary. As it happened. Because it was just... It's not just that it was a nutmeg. It was the casual filth of the way he did it. Because he set him up for it. You could see him Mm -hmm. set him up for it. And he just... As soon as he opened up his legs, like, bye. Like, and it was, yeah. and and again, like, we know these guys are quality. We know they're top level players. Um, but to see it in MLS is still a rarity to, for the most yep. part, right? You, you don't see that much skill check in that kind of way uh, in MLS. And just to see that from a guy who, and again, I've thrown my hands up on this show. You know, I was doubting whether or not it made sense to sign a 35-year-old left back. Um, but hey, he has absolutely proven me wrong and I am more than happy to be wrong uh, about mm-hmm. his performances because he has been an 8 out of 10 just about every week uh, that he yep. has played for TFC.
1: 100%. What about you, Chris? What do you think of that That mag? The, the, for,
2: the nutmeg was incredible. I think I actually, in order to get caught up of the game this morning, I woke up at 6. So I was mm-hmm. just in bed, kind of watching the replay and uh, I, I think I woke up my now <laughs> it's just like i did did like like whoa like did you yeah yeah yeah, could yeah. See yeah. Him kind of progressing one way and he and he watched the defender kind of close him down and he just knew like he didn't even he barely even looked and he just kind of slid it kind of back foot through his legs and went around him it was it was that was probably my favorite moment in the game even though it didn't lead directly to a goal it almost did well it almost did yeah. that's yeah. the crazy yeah, part right did. because in the yeah, end yeah. he
0: ends up getting by the defender once he nutmegs him anyway wins the ball back and then puts in a fantastic cross that just beautiful uh, that Burna yeah. almost puts into the corner though some people said the camera angle was a little weird and looked like it was gonna probably i thought it might hit the post i didn't actually think it was gonna go in um but of yeah, course, yeah, yeah. cleared it so it doesn't really matter but you know the fact that he can do that and then put in that kind of ball i mean yeah I, value signing in terms of being able to get that essentially as a throw-in for the Lorenzo Insignetti.
2: He He's mm-hmm. just been incredible. Like for me, I think you said 8 out of 10 on most on most days. I think he's been, actually been, and I might get flamed for this, but I think he's actually been our best signing in terms of consistency. Wow. Consistency, not in no, terms that's of – an like argument that's, that's, that's a fair argument. Like, and, I don't uh, find myself as frustrated with him within a game or between games and within Sinier and Bernadeschi, you have those moments of frustration and that's naturally because they're attacking players versus defensive players. But I think everyone should be surprised or at least, you know, incredibly happy with what Cruschido has been able to do. And and it's showing the value of having a technical player from Syria. He's He's got even more experience than either in or Bernadeschi. And it, it's sure it
1: does. Sure does. I mean, Tyler agrees with you. He says Mimo may be the most underrated signing we've done in a very long time, and that's funny because it that move. I mean, obviously it wasn't it wasn't a, a goal scoring move, but I remember the exact moment where I fell in love with Victor Vasquez, and it was that free kick, that cheeky free kick under the wall the when wall they jumped. Went, I think it was went. I mean, I was just like, yeah, I was just like, this guy's amazing, and and I and I love him forever and ever and ever. So, yeah, yeah, and you know, people people are talking about. um you know uh lots of people are talking about how how invested they've been in the toronto experience and uh robbie is saying crusido on world wrestling entertainment it's not what i thought it would be live in way too long (laughs) (laughs) so these these boys are definitely getting into the into the toronto experience and uh yeah what what a game what a game that 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 late clearance by fuchs uh it robbed us of a goal. I thought I think that would have been a, a th- the
0: third. Yeah, goal I mean, I thought it might have hit the just about the outside of the post, but it, it could have gone in. That could have been three. Um, interesting stat that I think Luke Wallman brought up in the telecast. I think TFC has scored on just about every shot directly on goal against Charlotte. Yeah, yeah, ever five goals, five <laughs> shots. Yeah, five shots. I'm
1: telling you, uh, which I'm is telling crazy. They're both a team. We're is, yeah, yeah, absolutely
0: crazy. Um, one thing that I, I do want to talk about, um, and Chris, you kind of alluded to this earlier, was Sort of this break, but don't bend. Defending it's still probably the weakest part of Toronto FC's game, uh, especially in transition uh, when they do give the ball away or do lose the ball in the attacking third. Transitionally, they're still. It still feels like any time a team can get out and run on them, a goal could happen. Mm-hmm. But I think there has been improvement even in that, uh, especially with Chris Mavinga getting back to better form and Lucas McNaughton finding this rich vein of form at centre-back. Um, obviously, defending is not just your centre-backs. But maybe, it is, you know, in terms of that sort of tactical awareness, where have TFC sort of improved on that sort of um, defending in transition? Uh, where do they still need to improve? Because clearly, they still need to I mean, realistically, they could have gone down, actually, I think one nil before Lorenzo Insigne scored the goal off the quarter.
2: For sure. And so I think typically when I think about defense, there's kind of like different aspects of the field. So you think of like your attacking third, your middle third, and then the defensive third. So from an attacking third standpoint, what we're really missing right now is actually Mac. So when you think about teams that can actually press high up the field and win the ball back, it means that your defenders are going to spend less time defending. Because if you're mm-hmm. able to keep the opponent pinned into their end, they're either sending a 50-50 long ball up the field or they're giving away possession or you're going to win the ball back really high up and your defenders at the back don't have to do anything. So yeah. that part is one piece that we've been missing. The Charlotte game, great example. Mac was able to actually lead a press going up. And I'll talk about this, about this a bit more, I think, later when we talk about yeah. the low block. But yeah. that's one big piece that's missing. Middle third, the transitional piece, you have Jaden in there right now, uh, Jonathan Osorio on most days, and then Bradley. One's athletic, two of them aren't. So your your ability to actually stop transitional attacks is very limited there because you're often not able to simply run as fast and you can't catch up because the ball moves faster than any other player. So they have to be really tactically intelligent to actually know where the next pass is coming from but you're missing Mac, who's your leading presser, he often leads the press. So I've done some analysis just to understand like how he positions himself and how Osorio and Bradley play off of him in the press. That's huge. We're missing that right now. For all that Jaden brings, defensively, he's still lacking. He runs a lot. Mm-hmm. Hard worker, covers a lot of ground. What he's missing is the tactical news to, act, new to actually understand where do I need yeah. to position myself and what side of the defender do I need to be to win the ball back? Because he's often running directly at a defender. A simple uh, change of direction, shoulder drop kind of throws him off. So, hmm. middle third. Now I'm getting to the defensive third. And please stop me at any point if I'm talking. No, about please you go ahead. ahead. No, no. This is great. You have better pieces at the back. So, if you're looking at stability, if you're thinking about while well, early in the season, we had Carlos Sacedo. He was talked up as this amazing defensive piece. He's a DP signing. So, why didn't it work? Look at the fullbacks that were flanking him. Yeah. At any given time, it was Luca Petrazzo, Jaquil Marshall Ruddy, um, or Kosi Thompson. A lot of them don't have actual experience playing at the MLS, MLS level or better, uh, or they're new, completely new to that role altogether. So there's no stability around you. Salcedo, Mavinga, and all these players that used to be better defenders than they were, or at least came as better defenders to us from another team or in past years mm-hmm. and seasons, we saw them falling apart because there's no defensive structure. Because they're trying to do the job with the fullback, trying to cover the gaps that they're vacating, but also trying to do the job of the center back. And they're getting stretched incredibly, like not even like positionally, like if you actually look at part of their map, you probably yeah. would have seen them drifting out wide more. No, than yeah. Not, which yeah. Oh, it, it, it looks
0: like you're playing a back three when you're not actually playing a back three at times, right? Like it was, yeah. it was yeah. weird to look at it in the early part of the season. And that's why, you know, I felt like the criticisms of Carlos Salcedo were a little harsh because yes, he made mistake. Don't get me wrong; like, he wasn't necessarily a DP center back, you know, in terms of what you would think a DP would be. But he was left to dry a lot. Exactly, of times, uh, exactly. By what was happening around him in terms of his teammates' positioning?
1: Yeah, one hundred percent. What do you call it? Will Will Dunn is talking about uh, because that's next up on the on the rundown. So we might as well get it in there. Also, the Absolutely. stats show that Bono doesn't collect crosses very well at all. Um, do you, I mean, you've got it written here, Bono bounce back. Obviously that was a redemption game for, for Alexander Bono and, and got, got the clean sheet. Um, what are your impressions moving forward? I'm not talking about whether we can, you know, magically heal Westberg or buy 18 goalkeepers. I'm more talking about, you know, are we protecting bones better now?
0: Yeah, I mean, yes, <laughs> to a certain extent, yes, we are protecting a better. And it goes to sort of what Chris just mentioned in terms of that ability to hang on to the ball in the attacking in mid-thirds, right? Like, if you can hang on to the ball, less shots he needs to take, right? At, at one point during this season, Alex Bono had the lead league in saves. And the league leagues, I think, on shots attempted on goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, You know, in terms of that, that has pretty dramatically dropped. Like, I think he's now, I think, fourth in that category. So that yeah. means that that's a pretty significant drop in terms of having other goalkeepers be able to pass you at that at that rate. So clearly he has to face less shots, which is good. Look, it, we talked about it last week on the podcast. The issue with Alex Bono, I don't think, is that he is a terrible goalkeeper. I think he's just, he has these clangers in him. Every, every once in a while, you feel like, do you have confidence in him to not have a clanger and and the right now it doesn't feel like the the, the answer is no you you just don't mm-hmm. feel like you have the confidence in him to say like i know that if i pass the ball back to you and you will distribute it well i am you know if i if i'm a defender i'm i'm you know he's maybe taking on a long shot in distance do i feel comfortable that he is going to be able to handle this in the right way uh and, and then that, to me that's a no um statistically i think that it might bear a little bit differently. It's I think statistically he's having the best technically season he's ever had from a goalkeeping perspective, but that's also because these are probably the most shots he's ever had to face in a single season. So it's kind of one half of the other, right? Like it's, it's not all on him because obviously defensively, they're allowing a lot of and a lot of clean looks too. Right, it's Mm -hmm. you know even going back to Miami to the to the Miami game right. The second goal was a collapse in team defending off a set piece, uh, where he basically gets hung out to dry, um, and and, uh, the and the goal scorer gets essentially a free run at goal. So there's that, but I mean you, I think we've talked the goalkeeping situation to death. They do need to upgrade in that position next season, Uh, but for the rest of the season, I think you're riding with bones until. You either don't make the playoffs or you're going into the playoffs and 100 maybe at that 100%. point Bob has to make a decision on whether or not he sticks with Bono but I, I mean I can't I really don't see a situation right now where Bono's not the number one.
1: Oh and yeah so without question do... without question. So so let's get into it um, uh, because you've got playoff push missed, mixed up in here and I, I suppose we'll discuss playoff push uh you know as we as we talk the burning questions of the week and and the games that are coming up but let's get in let's get into the meat and potatoes here uh so your first your first question is what are the stats saying and and i guess we've sort of started this but let's let's cede the floor to chris a little bit um how is tfc doing since the new signings have come in okay do you mind if i backtrack on just like two really quick no oh my ahead, god go that's, what, it, we go go that's what we do that's what we
2: do we agree with mike i think mm-hmm. with bones it's you you kind of got to live with the mistakes for the time being and i know that's painful for any tfc fan to hear but goalkeepers make mistakes his his kind of goalkeeping gaffes are probably more glaring than others especially in a playoff uh push that we're making the other problem he has he's awful at distribution he cannot pass awful. the ball it's and i think the worst like, i've ever seen yeah yeah and yeah. that I think for a modern keeper is where his shortcoming will ultimately be is that you can be a great shot stopper, but if you're not able to play the ball at your feet, you're probably not going to
1: last very long. <laughs> David, <DeHair>. <laughs> 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 David <DeHair. laughs> Sorry. Sorry. So, I don't know. I don't know what happened there. I had a frog then, in my throat. Sorry there, Mike. Mm-hmm. The second thing I think I wanted
2: to get to was what other improvements can we make on the defensive side? I, I did notice against Charlotte, especially there was a lot of passes, dangerous passes that were being played into the half spaces. So that space between the flanks, so your fullback flanks, not the middle, but right in between those two zones is uh, your half spaces. And there was a lot of good passes that a better attacking team would have taken advantage of and likely would have scored, which bears fruit hmm. in your next point, Jeff, which is Charlotte actually had a higher XG than we did in that game, hmm. which goes just to show that XG isn't the be all yeah. end all with stats but it does show that they were in more dangerous positions consistently throughout the game. Hmm. So getting into those dangerous areas and not being able to produce, even though that they were there shows that, you know, it led to a higher XG, but unfortunately weren't able to convert a lot of of shots that went over. So am I confident in Bono to actually be good the rest of the year? No, because Charlotte was awful in the attacking third. I think we all saw it is that whatever form they had in the first half carried over to the second half. We just had better DPs that lifted us with some moments of magic in the yeah. second half. You, you know, yeah. should have yeah. scored
1: in yeah. in the second half.
0: Like, yeah. at that start, of the oh, easily. He, he oh, had yeah, a yeah. chance on goal and he put it in the side netting, um, which I thought had actually gone in. Um, but, you sure know, the, have what,
1: the stadium, yeah. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. Um, but, like, in terms of the reason I, I have this question down here, in terms of just this new segment, in terms of how have TFC been doing statistically since the DPs are coming, in, is because we've talked about the stats before they came you know, the fact that defensive XG was insanely high. Um, the fact that, you know, possession stats on games that they end up losing, they had a high a level of uh, possession, but would end up still would still lose games because they had huge amounts of turnovers in the middle, in the middle third. So has have some of those numbers started to change since the arrival of the DPs and Crescito and, And Mac, even though he's only played a couple of games and Richie and et cetera.
2: So, yes. So if we look at the seven league games that the Italians have all played together, we've improved exponentially. So when you're looking at whether it's XG possession, like we have a higher XG in our our past seven games, five of those games, we had a higher XG expected goals. Possession, though, on the other hand, is interesting. We've actually had a lower possession. So we've only had greater possession than our opponents in three of those seven games. So Hmm. one of the caveats I do want to say with possession that's always interesting because people are always looking at possession numbers is that there's kind of a few things that dictate possession. So one of them, the most important thing is your philosophical um, kind of coaching, like your coaching philosophy or the tactical system that you employ. Some teams can be very good without even having possession. So they're teams that are comfortable sitting back and doing very Great precise goal. counters. There you go, Yeah. right? Yeah. Possession isn't everything. Number two, mm-hmm. are you the road team? Because typically if you're on the road, you mm-hmm. might concede possession to your opponents more fre- frequently just because of the nature of home road splits, unless you're Man wow. City. The third thing, and this is probably a reason why we had sometimes had higher possession than other teams, despite being weaker before the Italians came, is if you have an early lead. So if yeah. you're a team that has an early lead, you're typically not going to, or at least not always going to shove shove it to your opponents and just kind of take the sword down their throat and just 100% dominate possession, right? You're going to be patient. You're going to kind of sit back a bit more. You don't need to chase the game as much. You're going to force the other team to actually do that. And that's what we saw with TFC earlier. Like I remember the Seattle Sounders game. We yeah. could barely pass like the halfway. Yeah. yeah. Never yeah. even mind. Like we had tons of possession, but we did nothing with it because yeah. we, could, yeah. we weren't threatening. The, the yeah. secret was to just give us the ball and we couldn't do anything with it.
1: Yeah, so- yeah. Possession without purpose, as they would say with the with the beautiful alliterative. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's fair to say that our possession stats were skewed in the first half of the season by the fact that we were chasing games, so teams just let us have the ball. Uh, it was, you know, all the things that you just said. Now we're starting to see teams pay us a lot more respect, which is how I'm going to enter into the low block chat uh, and with that respect we're starting to see them seed possession so our possession stats are going up uh, i've gotten a lot of questions and i know you guys talked about it last week while i was away but you know the low block seems to be how teams are approaching playing tfc especially with the arrival of our new italian superstars the low block is anti-football so what is the best way for us to counter it with the obvious caveat being score first (laughs) and then then they've got to chase the game. Right. I mean, that's, that's the easiest way to beat the low block. So I've had this question
2: so many times. I've actually written articles for Arsenal, Toronto SC now, team Canada. So all three of those, same thing comes up. How do you deal with the low block? It's kind of, and if I a hundred percent knew the answer, I'd probably be a soccer coach, but of course, at least I've learned a lot from diving into video of teams that often face, low blocks. There's a great video from, I think it's Tifo, that talks about some of the key ways. It misses some things in terms of how you can break down a low block, but it kind of highlights a bit of the summary. And I know okay. last on last week's pod um, that you guys did talk about just quicker passing, more midfield movement. That is one of the key ways, but some of the other ways are shots from distance. We do that a lot if you're thinking about Cricito, yeah and yeah, senior Eshi, Quick switches of play. We are seeing that more often. We have we weren't able to do that as well before. But with Insigne, Crescito, and Bernadeschi, sometimes they'll completely bypass the midfield and just swing a ball they swing over to each other.
0: Exactly. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. But there's it, tactically, if there's a lot of defenders drifting over to your side, someone's going to be open far out. So if you Very can true. actually
1: make that quick switch of play, you can easily transition into offense. So I, I want to interject for Go one ahead. second before I forget. So some people, myself included, would look at. Krishito, or sorry, uh, uh, Bernadeschi and, and Insigne completely bypassing the midfield as a lack of respect or trust in the players. We've heard that often, you know, the, that sort of knee-jerk reaction that like, well, look, they're just playing with each other. It, that means that they hate Jaden Nelson or that they don't want to play with Jonathan Osorio or Michael Bradley or whatever, the knee-jerk reaction. It's interesting what you're saying, that it may actually be more tactical than personal. And I think that that's important to harp on. Sorry for interjecting, but I want to say it louder for the people in the back, myself especially. It may have nothing to do with with respect here or there. They may love Cozy Thompson, but it could just be their desire to quickly change because they're playing against a low block. That's a very interesting point.
2: And that's exactly it, Jeff, is that the low block is designed to congest the middle and give you the flanks. But if you're Mm -hmm. too far to the outside, your options are limited. Your actual field of vision when you receive a ball at the touchline is much more limited in terms of the options that you have opposed to in the middle of the field. So, what you can do is, as you drift in, is actually do that switch of play that seems like you're bypassing the midfield and you don't want to play with them, but it's actually strategic in some cases. I'm not saying it's always, then maybe there is a, a small element of. I just I made a pass to this player earlier and we couldn't do anything with it, so I'm going to try something a bit different. Mm-hmm, of course. Can't can't fully unpack that, but uh, definitely there can be some strategy behind that switch of play that happened.
0: And I wonder, just to, to interject and just continue on this point really quickly, I wonder if that speaks a little bit to some of the issues we're having at the number nine position, especially with Jesus Jimenez, because prior to... Obviously, we know all his goals were scored prior to the Italians arriving, right? Mm-hmm. Where... TFC didn't necessarily always have to worry about a low block. Uh, Whereas now he is in a position where he has to work with a more congested middle. Uh, And, and obviously what he's doing to compensate is to go wide to, to try to receive the ball in different positions and, and connect that way. And I wonder if that speaks to his struggles and even to IO struggles to a certain extent, because, you know, one of IO's strengths is be able to you you know use pace and use his strength and run in behind, uh, and, and and sort of get those opportunities. Uh, I wonder if this you know figuring out a better way to involve them in this strategy is that sort of maybe, for lack of a better term, basically leading to some of the issues that the number nines are seeing in terms of being able to get into goal scoring position.
2: Absolutely, like when Absolutely. you're in a low yeah. block, your ability to actually Produce and be involved in the attack is much more limited because there's way more bodies in the middle of the field. Especially yeah,
1: exactly.
2: Yeah. Th- yeah, you just don't have space to operate with, right? I will say though that not having the proper midfield behind him, especially when Mac isn't there, so if you don't have Mac there, there's a bit of an imbalance with the midfield. Um, so not having that proper support behind you also influences what the strikers be able to do for connections in the attack. And I think Mike, you want to jump in.
0: Oh, no, I I just wanted to sort of go into because you wrote a really great article on a WTR about Mac and why you two articles two exactly Mm -hmm. sort of explaining why Mac in a lot of ways is sort of the best big club type signing uh, that you can make. And I wanted to sort of just expand on that a little bit because we haven't seen a lot of Mac now play for TFC. I think he's only played two, three games and has been hurt for the next seven. So... uh, what about him really is going to make this team sort of click at another level than they're already clicking at at this point?
2: For sure. And and just to finish off the last point, Jimenez no. is still making the wrong runs. That's the problem mm-hmm. is he hasn't quite learned to play with Bernadeschi and Insigne. The mm-hmm. best examples in the Charlotte game late when Insigne actually was passing a ball to the late runner who was joining the attack. I don't know if it was Coasey. I couldn't quite remember who it was. One uh, or Richie, someone was making a a late run into the box and Insigne was trying to find him. It actually hit off Jimenez's knee because he ran into the path of the other player. And you could see Insigne throw up his arms in the air. Is that Jimenez still isn't making the right runs and where he needs to be. So if he can work on that and get away from some of the bad habits he developed when we were in that rough patch, I think, Hopefully he'll things will even out for him. He almost did though. He did make a good run on the Bernadeschi, kind of the backhand. But I'll move yeah. away from that. Okay. No, no. Now. Let
1: me let me just try and simplify here. Just just before you answer the Matt question, um, his off the ball movement needs to be better, right? And he can't be chasing the ball for possession. It's not important for for Jesus to have the ball. It's important for him to be where the ball is coming to next. And I think that that's the disconnect there. He's chasing possession because he wants to have the ball, which is exactly what we don't want our number nines to be doing. And especially when playing against a low block, especially when playing with with wingers of such quality as as our two Italian superstars. And I think that speaks.
0: Yeah, that speaks sort of to what Bob Bradley has always been talking about with players about trusting that the ball, trusting your teammates to get you in, the ball will end up in the right spots if you trust your teammates to do what they need to do. And I can kind of exactly. understand where Jesus Simenez is. He wants a goal, right? It's been forever since he wants, and he's a goal scorer. That's how goal scorers think. And they thrive and they live off being able to score goals. And when you're not scoring goals, you're going to try to find the ball to get yourself in a position to just get a goal. Um, and he might. Be I would argue that field. he might have
1: scored five if he had just made stupid Lewandowski runs to be on the end of... Of the delicious crosses he's getting true. served, as opposed to trying to play like an extra mi- attacking midfielder. But you know, that, Very that's true. just me. Very yeah. True.
0: No. Um, but Mac, Mac, yeah, yeah. and yeah.
1: and on IO, just because I see it coming up in the chat a
2: lot. Oh yeah, it's, it's coming up like crazy on the end of some some runs. So it's actually that if Jimenez is making those runs, he's probably converting on more of those chances, like the him early in the season. IO is just not at the same level as Jesus is when they're at their best. I.O. still returning from his injury. He might not be fully fit. His touch still needs work when he plays with his back-to-goal. So the interlinking play that you would typically get from a good number nine, that hold-up play, it's not quite there all the time. So yeah. those are some yeah. things for I.O. to work on. But 100%. over to Mac. So one of the biggest things is be if if you are thinking about the low block, so I covered, I think, three or four of the strategies so far. Crosses is another one. So crossing the ball more frequently, whether it's a cutback pass That helps to kind of pull the low block out of position. Um, The other one is low-driven crosses. Liverpool do this a lot. So what they'll actually do is they don't have players who are kind of your traditional target men that can head a ball in. If you have those low-driven crosses that are happening earlier from further back on the field, your quicker players can actually run onto them and just get a quick touch with their foot or their head and drive it in instead of having to out-jump a defender. So right, right. that's another classic strategy that TFC has, hasn't used much of because maybe because mm. it's a pace thing, not sure yet, or maybe it's just that they're trying to still figure themselves out. So sure. I, I do think the last one is actually one that most videos don't cover. But if you can press really well and thinking about Mac, and you can win the ball up quickly, up like upfield, you're able to actually catch the defense out of position when they can't get into mm. their little ball quickly. So if you're making yeah. those... Getting the ball back and you have a direct plan of attack that's very precise and quick, easy offense, instant offense. Liverpool does it to a T. Uh, Dortmund does it very well too. There's many teams that press to actually get out of like the issue of a low block. That's aside from just scoring early. So hmm. really for Mac pressing, that's probably the biggest one. Progressive passing, another big one. His ability to interplay with Insigne, Osorio, Bradley. Literally anyone on the field is, is a big missing piece. He's the most athletic, natural, central, central midfielder that we have. We don't have another midfield engine like him. I know Bradley does a lot of work, but naturally you don't want him running up and down the pitch like that. He can do yeah. it, but it's that ability to actually be that engine that goes up and down that we're missing with Mac. So progressive passing is another big one. So if you're thinking about threats that you have, Jaden Nelson is a progressive dribbler different from a progressive passer. Mark anthony Kaye, Mac is a big progressive passer, so he's able to make some of those longer passes. Sometimes you'll see Osorio make them as well, but we don't have that balance right now. So it's easier to say Nelson's going to carry the ball or interlink, but he's not going to make that pass that stretches out the defense. On the right Mm -hmm. side, there's a bit more variety, which is why you're actually seeing Bernadeschi get a little bit more freedom because when Osorio is playing and he also has Richie overlapping and supporting him, yeah dynamic of the the trident is it's more dynamic on the left yeah the it sure is a bit. so if we're thinking about mac the other thing that he brings is also his defensive presence so not only pressing but he allows bradley there's an understanding already even though they haven't played together that if bradley's going forward k knows to slide back and cover those yeah. gaps right now there's no one to cover those gaps especially with uh, mark anthony Kay and bradley aren't both playing yeah, so yeah. that's just kind of some of the things that I touched on. Uh, there is a little so bit more in the article about culture fit and just having someone who's came through the Academy or at least has been in the Academy in some way, being kind of like a, a mentor to some of the Academy kids coming through. But in terms of a tactical kind of bonus, those are some of the things that Kay will bring.
1: What's it's fascinating. I mean, it, it scares the crap out of me because you can see the causality, right? Like without Mac, Fans are like, well, Insigne has kind of been frustrating, and it's not necessarily Insigne's fault. Um, am I correct in saying that you think our midfield is our biggest is our biggest issue, our biggest area of need in terms of of thinking about how we are going to move forward with signings, how we're going to move forward with depth pieces and stuff like that? Like it seems to me, we you know because Osorio's future is very much up in the air, right? And without him on the right side of this midfield trio uh we need someone there that that does what he can do and then certainly we're seeing what happens when when Mac isn't in the lineup um are is that is that something that we need to worry about like having capable deputies for those for those two skill sets moving forward I would say goalkeeper is probably up there
2: along with central midfield especially if Osorio leaves Right now, mm-hmm. we have no natural depth. And I know one of the questions earlier was, is Nelson a starting player if you're truly wanting to compete? And I don't think any of us are saying that. I think he's he's a reliable mm-hmm. sub, hopefully. We hope he can become a quality sub that's reliable. So I would yeah. say central midfield, absolutely. Uh, even if Osorio stays, we need some
1: other depth option that we can rely on. Bradley's not getting any younger. Mm -hmm. i'm not even talking about the six i'm just talking about our two eights right now like oh my god you you bring in the six and it's like we're going to spend all our money on those three positions you know what i mean so i was fortunate enough to
2: actually speak with bill at uh the federico bernardeschi um uh presser release that he had the celebration and uh he did say that you know what you're seeing now isn't the finished product fans often want to skip ahead they don't they don't want to enjoy the journey and and if any of you are NFL football fans, one of the mm-hmm. quotes from Ray Lewis is always enjoy the journey. It's, it's always more enjoyable than the final destination because everything that mm-hmm. leads you to that final destination, <laughs> hold on, what he says yeah. is that you take the journey for granted.
1: And it's, it's that buildup
2: that makes the championship more special because if you're just winning it all the time, it's great. But if you don't remember those dark years that came before it, it almost reduces a bit of that feeling of joy it's, it's, it's not a perfect it's quote, fair. but it's, it's, it's that journey of getting there, right? So if you yeah, think of yeah. the team and how it's constructed right now, you actually want those pieces to kind of come together slowly and organically. If you rush in and just add a whole bunch of pieces, sometimes those pieces aren't going to fit together. Now that mm-hmm. you have more of a base to build from, it's building that defensive depth, building that midfield depth. Who's your number one winger behind Bernadeschi and Insigne if they get injured? or if they mm-hmm. can't go 90 minutes, right? So those are some of the things that are popping up. We're very fortunate right now that they've stayed healthy and been able to play 90 for most games. But I, I think we need to build that depth going forward. And if Sorio leaves, then central midfield goes to the top of the list.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think central midfield is at the top of the list, including uh, a deputy for all three of those guys. Um, because it sounds to me like you know our centre-back core are decent enough. You know obviously, they could be better, but not having depth pieces there you know because because without without putting too fine a point on it, you know Jaden's doomed if we play against a low block unless he can figure out how not to dribble because that's the worst thing you can do in a in a congested midfield is try to dribble through eighteen guys um so if that if he doesn't get that out of his system, then he can't play as our number eight while we're while we're defending a low block because he's a liability out there or while we're attacking a low block because he's a liability out there um just signing yes. Conte and everything's fine <laughs> he's been on that forever and ever and ever and ever um i don't i i just i, I am trying to absorb all of this multitude of of information and and uh mike what, what's your question you got a yeah my you?
0: mine is is sort of and you're getting into it a little bit chris it's another article that you wrote was a, a was around sort of short-term sort of gratification over long-term pragmatism and long-term building. And I think on shows like ours that are fan-driven, um, that that we hear a lot from the fan base, you know, like, there is always this, why isn't it happening and why isn't it happening right now? Like, why? what a good like, question. When, when Jeff, when you say something like Lorenzo Insigne, for some people is disappointing, it blows my mind. You mm-hmm. he have, like, four goals in seven games? Like, he's for uh, extrapolate that over a season, he's winning an MVP. Maybe. the yeah. Oh yeah. Is the guy playing on the other side of the field. So, mm-hmm. you know, from, from that perspective, I, I totally get that because if people can cast their minds back to 2015 and the night that we clinched the playoff spot, the emotion of finally getting there after all these years of getting it wrong and being the screw ups and, Right, like you enjoy that journey. I, I, guess I wonder from that article, you know, what would sort of be the things that TFC fans should be kind of cognizant of in terms of this slower build towards what we hope will become an all-conquering. That's great,
1: that's a great question. Um, I think
2: with the slower builds, just appreciate what you're seeing right now. Like playoffs or not, we're getting to see some of the most talented players in the world playing for TFC right now. And mm-hmm. I know it's a direct contradiction to like sports in general. Sports are meant to be immediate gratification for fans. I want to see a win. There's a direct outcome. Soccer's a little bit different because there's a draw, but you know, yeah. it's either a win or loss in most scenarios. And sometimes a draw people take that as a loss, but um, I would say that's kind of the biggest piece is just enjoy what you're seeing right now, playoffs or not. There was so much, not damage, but like so much that we couldn't get through, like adversity that we faced in the beginning of the season, that I think a lot of people's expectations, the worst thing that could have ever happened to Toronto FC was announcing the Insigne signing before the season started because he wasn't Mm joining until July. People's expectations shot through the roof. You'd hear a lot of uh, fan um, comments around, this isn't a rebuild. If you sign Insigne, you're trying to win right now. But the big challenge is uh, really thinking about Insignia didn't come until July. Mm-hmm. We tried to get Crescito to come earlier, but he saw the team in February and was kind of like, No, I'm away. No. Nah. <laughs> yeah. no, I'm okay. I'm yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm away. Yeah, I'll yeah. Wait till Insignia's there. I don't <laughs> want to kind of lift this team up, right? But who wants yep, want yep. to play with this group? Even though you know Insignia is coming,
1: it's mm-hmm.
2: hard to bring players over when you don't have those star names to attract other players.
1: It's just mm, that's a work. very very good point because somebody said on Twitter you're about to see Bernadeschi become the best recruiter in the in the history of TFC because you know he's so outspoken he's doing all the interviews talking about you know all, all of his friends are, are are making inquiries one of the things that always drives me crazy um when we start talking about the team especially when we're in like such a public rebuild is a lot of takes are like well, you know we'll be great all we need is like five more midfielders two cbs a goalkeeper three number nines and i'm like well and, it's they, not all have gonna to happen. and they all have to be they in in, the, in a single transfer window. And yet we're having a really informed conversation here. And I'm getting kind of the same vibes, which is like, you know, we're not really going to be world beaters or have any, any, any attempt at being a world beater until we cover this depth piece, until we cover that depth piece. This it's not about the starting 11. So in a way it's kind of a spin on the same language, which is this team needs work and we ain't there yet. Now, I'm not so worried about who fills in on the wings for Lorenzo and Bernardeschi when they go down because there is nobody that can fill in for them on the wings, right? That's kind of the way it is. So, so, you know, it's a JMR, it's a, you know, more in Schaffelberg situation, but there are guys on the team that can play on the wing, Jaden Nelson included. Um, but I am worried about this midfield if we don't, you know, cause we, cause I mean, we've just spent an hour talking about how much we've missed, Mark Anthony K. and it's just the the faint whisper of Mark Anthony K. Since we've only seen him playing a TFC shirt for for a couple games, um, we're you know I have faith that we're going to. Uh, I have faith that we're going to change keepers over the offseason. I don't I don't think that that's a problem there in their contract years. The question I wanted to roll around to is Chris Mavinga. People are saying that now that he's rounded into form, he's worth an extension, and I want honest answers. Do you think his time? Is is done at TFC. Do you think we can do better? He's aged out of his prime, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, ad infinitum. Sarah, so, do you want to
2: take
0: that first?
2: Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll let you take it first, Mike, but I'm gonna quickly just answer. I, I didn't get to the second part of Mike's question. Is a lot of people complain about Bob Bradley's pragmatism earlier in the <laughs> season when he wasn't adapting tactics and changing what he saw in order to grind out results. And I think that short-term pragmatism, or at least what I had hoped to see, is you think about the long term, players need to get used to the formation you want to play. He played the 4-3-3 a lot. There's, I know people don't like this, but there's muscle memory, there's understanding and developing that chemistry with players. They're not perfect pieces, but that's what he was trying to do, or at least that's what I think he was trying to do. And he wasn't trying to change that and alter it too much because he understood he had a lot of kids that can only absorb so much. I'd rather get them set up to support Insini and Bernadeschi and Crescito when they come instead of mm-hmm. getting them to just grind out results and play uh, anti-football
1: and low blocks. forever And season. develop bad yeah. habits such as Jesus Jimenez has, for example, and, and Iowa Canola. I completely agree with you if, you, you. if you're listening
0: to the podcast version, you can't see me shaking my head vigorously or nodding my <laughs> head vigorously because that's exactly what Chris Armist did. Right. Mm -hmm. It is. He's tried to put in a system. It didn't work. Then he tried to save his job by playing pragmatically. And that didn't work. And that's up down the road for a terrible 2021. Right. So, you know, I I get it. I, there were a lot of sort of Bob Bradley. Does he know what he's doing? Is this the right hire? You know, like, yes, he's the right hire. It's not Mm -hmm. even close. Mm -hmm. You know, we were all calling for this at the end of last year when we knew there was a chance that he could potentially be leaving LAFC. It makes sense to bring him in and you talk about a long build, and, and Jeff, is, we just have to look back to recent TFC history to show that patience pays off, right? Yep. When we went into 2015, the team scored a lot of goals. It conceded a ton of goals, and slowly mm-hmm. over the next couple of years, they inserted those pieces at center back, at midfield, the crowning piece being Victor Vasquez that put you yep, over
1: One hundred percent. So yep, 100%. yes, one hundred percent.
0: Look, they may get to the playoffs this year, and, and I will call that a bit of a smokescreen season, as twenty nineteen to me was a bit of a smokescreen season where sure, sure. you get to the playoffs and everybody's going to remember you made the playoffs. Great, but there's actually things that you need to continue to build on, and I think that's what we kind of missed out on in twenty nineteen.
1: So yep, just keep yep. that
0: in mind, guys. If the build is still coming you're going to find MLS veterans that you can get as free agents to come into this team. And they can actually probably push you to that next level, right? You don't necessarily need to go out and get them all from Europe and spend ridiculous amount of TAMS money on these guys. Right. So just keep that in mind. And then
2: hopefully what we see with Rob Bradley, which is most of my tactics articles is that he learns over time. Once Mm -hmm. the system is there, once the muscle memory and uh, kind of innate understanding of the system is there, we're going to shift to a bit more of that, like, pragmatism to grind out results when we have the lead or we're in a tight game. But yeah. uh, I think, Jeff, for your other question on Mavinga, it's really tough to say. We don't – I don't think, at least, that we have another natural left-footed center back on the team. So if you like to build up the back, you typically like to have that balance of one right yeah, foot and true. one left foot Great right. point. Great so, point. Yes, ideally, like I know Mavinga doesn't have the organizational skills that can kind of be that commanding presence at the back that's organizing everyone and being that final stopper that's communicating to everyone. Bradley usually takes a lot of that onus of kind of directing traffic and positioning people. Ideally, sure you does want that further back too for your back line. Krishido is actually fulfilling that role, just FYI, mm-hmm. as a left yep, back. Yep. But uh, if you can find someone else who's left-footed, commanding presence, organizer, not a DP salary, then by all means, like if they want to come to TSC, sign me up. Um, But if you can't find anyone better and Mavinga is not going to require a DP salary, I think you can make the case for keeping Mavinga around on maybe a shorter term, like two to three year deal.
1: It's hard to find left footers. Like, yeah, yeah. You're not, that's not wrong. You're 100% right.
0: Yeah. To me, it's all just comes down to how much Right. Yeah. Like if, if the money's mm-hmm. right, yeah, of course you can keep him. Um and and whether he's a starter or I can again accept sometimes a depth role where he may not start every game because fitness has been an issue with him and injuries have been an issue with sure him. Sure has. Yeah. Uh, you know, if he can accept that he's gonna have a bit of a rotational role within uh that sort of back four and the money's right, yeah, of course. I, I think you still have there's still value in him. Uh, and and he can still give you great performances as you're starting to see down the stretch when he's playing with better
1: players. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so just to wrap it up, yeah, because uh, we've gone an hour like like nobody's know, business. We just, you just yeah, burnt
0: gone by. burnt
1: through it. Uh, we certainly have to have you back on, Chris, and, and everyone is saying it. So so you uh, you definitely passed your 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 Toronto till I die audition as a absolutely new one, your so your background game to... is unbelievable. Um, yeah. before we close out, uh, yeah. uh, oh, oh no, no, let's do your burning questions, Mike, and then I'll do my final. Yeah,
0: questions. yeah, yeah. we'll just do these, yeah. uh, burning questions in from, uh, the audience this week. Uh, so, uh, Aziz, uh, I hope I pronouncing it right. Uh, 5677 on Twitter just asked how big is Wednesday's match against LA if they don't pick up three points, is it game over for the playoffs? Uh, gents, I'll, I'll, I'll start with you, Jeff. What do you think? um in terms of when i
1: match listen the playoffs will be fun but it's not like we're the seattle sounders where if we miss the playoffs it's the first time we've done it in the history of our of our of our time in mls right there's not we've missed the playoffs lots of times so you know it's two years in a row it's not great but considering the state of this team considering this up and down season uh you know it's 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 nothing to me so so i see this wednesday match against LA as a big one because of the people that are coming back to BMO after such a long time away, i'm talking about victor vasquez i'm talking about mark delgado i'm talking about raheem edwards and i'm talking about the greg father um regardless of any hurt feelings regardless of 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 the like they deserve a hero's welcome and i'm going to be really upset if i hear even one boo emanating from the crowd when they show up even if it's for eric
0: zavaleta (laughs) (laughs)
1: i keep forgetting that, that zavoletta is there <laughs> and i don't mean to do that i don't mean to contribute to the Zabaletta yeah, no, hate train uh they all deserve a sta- they all deserve their flowers and uh and i hope they get them and i hope that there isn't any short-sighted people in the crowd that 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 go the opposite direction because i think it's entirely unfair um yeah so you know, uh, playoffs are nice uh, in terms of the of the actual, you know, if they don't get the win. Well, we have to win at least five. Is that right, Chris? We have, to, we have to take at least five three-pointers in remaining games to even have a snowball's chance in hell of making the playoffs. I believe I read that somewhere. So this is definitely one of them. Yeah. I, think, I think what
2: it is is if we win five of the next seven, we have a 35% chance of fin- finishing seventh. And it's still a thirty-five percent chance of finishing sixth. But if we win six of six, it goes. We have a forty-eight percent chance of finishing fifth, and a thirty percent chance of finishing.
0: Well, we got one six. of those seven because there's only six games left. So yeah, uh, yeah, we've gotten
1: off to a good start. Yeah, we've gotten off to a good start. Oh, so yeah, so it's Chris, a good game. It's a big game
2: because if we only win four of our last six, I think it's we only have a 22% chance of finishing seventh. So that's bad. If it's playoffs is your barometer, which I guess it is for most of us still, it's I I Mm -hmm. think we we can't afford to lose this game. It's also one of the few games we have at home. None of them are going to be easy.
1: Mm -hmm. Montreal,
2: Miami, LA Galaxy. Yeah. All of them, I think, are playoff teams. If last I checked, I don't Mm -hmm. know about the Galaxy.
0: Mm, Uh, Galaxy, yeah. yes, because they won last yeah. night.
1: Okay. Yeah, they cool. won. Yeah. So they're they're on the bubble, but like they're higher up on the yeah, Western they Conference. Did this, we they are, did absolutely. us a solid
0: uh, beating New England last night. Um, I'll true. I'll jump this one up just because we're on the LA Galaxy train and talking about that match. Uh, this one's from me. How will you remember Greg Vanny as he makes his return uh, to BMO Field on Wednesday night? Uh so Chris, I'll start with you.
2: I I honestly have to give it to Vanny for building our academy. Like, I think before he came in, the actual infrastructure, just even having a defined system for them to learn in and building up kind of the coaching staff around it, the facilities, he kind of led us through a lot of that transformation. And without Mm -hmm. that, like, and I know not everyone likes Jaden Nelson, Jaquil Marshall-Ruddy and all the young kids that are coming through, but it's building a better base for us to build from in the future. Uh, we actually saw Ozo come to prominence under Vanny too, right? When he first yep. came in in 2013, kind of 2012, he, he was nowhere. Like, people saw him. They didn't think anything of him, but Vanny mm-hmm. gave him that opportunity and kind of bled the way for other academy players in the future to become a part of the TSC first team. And if you're thinking about the MLS model as it currently is, um, you, you need your homegrown academy players to kind of fill that quota, but also to give you – Well, that's interesting –
1: there we go. Uh, Photographer for WTR, Sean Pollock comes in with a zinger. Galaxy have won one away game since May the eighth. So there last night. you go. Yeah, so, yeah. To answer your question, I think for me, it's the Academy. Fair yeah. enough, Jeff. Uh, scarves, scarves, and and trebles, um, and the fact that like everybody that I know in the industry raves about what a personable human character he was how nice he was, how willing he was to you know, stay around at scrums for hours on end and talk tactics and that sort of thing. He was, uh, he's the reason why it's been so difficult to take this downswing uh, in TFC's fortunes because we reached the mountaintop with him as the gaffer. So absolute, absolutely uh, nothing.
0: My uh, my memories of him will always be Vanny Weiss, the time he came with uh, the white linen suit um, on the sideline. Mm-hmm. Um, and from then on, yep. it was all about Vanny Weiss for me. Um, we kind of c- covered this quite a bit in the in the second segment, so I, I don't think mm-hmm. we need to spend any time. There was a question just about how concerned we should be about uh, Mark Anthony K. missing as many games Clear we kind of answered the question of why. Yeah, very story. concerned. He's the, star, yeah.
1: he's the straw that stirs our drink, according right, to, to right? Chris Funger. So, so very, kind of very, 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 very concerned. Yeah, um, yeah. But
0: yeah, dude, Jeff, you got a last piece here before we wrap up. So I wanted to let you take it. Okay,
1: uh, two questions. Do you think we're making the playoffs? Ooh. It's
0: um,
1: loaded question
2: to end the, the show on. Ooh. Okay. Um, Go ahead, Chris. No. Mm-hmm. It's, it's I think I think the Montreal well I want my heart wants to say yes, but my head says no. How about that? That's kind of a Yep, that's exactly I think, how I feel. I think we have the ability to. I like if Mac comes back, it goes probably to a yes.
1: But mm-hmm. if Ozo
2: and Mac are both out for the next game, I think it's gonna be tough. What we've started to see is a lot more of an emphasis on the Italians, so
0: I. I future is murky. Yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty tough. Um, I've consistently said no, and I'm staying no. Uh, mm-hmm. it's just It'll math. hurt less. It, well, that and I, I just think, one, the, the math is kind of against you a little bit. I, I think the, the need to rely on other teams and results co- goes against you a little bit as well. Um, and look, Chris is right. The ability is there. The ability is one hundred percent there. That's it's not. That's not, the the that's not in yeah, question. That's not in question. I do. Think it's just a that, matter of
1: time and points. That like yes, but I
0: also but mm-hmm. I also think that you're you're not necessarily facing the easiest teams down the stretch, and some of these teams do have things to play for themselves. Uh, so you are going to kind of get the best versions of these teams as you go down the mm-hmm. road, and and a lot of these teams are also very good in transition. Um, watching the LA Galaxy game last night, they got a lot of issues. But they mm-hmm. scored some great transition goals. They uh, sure, they sure did. Very fair
1: point. And they and sure did the kind yeah. of goals
0: that we give up in transition. So, yeah. um, it, I just, I just right now think the road is still really difficult. That doesn't mean I'm negative on the team because I actually am very positive that they will still have mm-hmm. a good run into the end of the season, and that carries over into next season.
1: Yes, important. Uh, one was a point. Uh, I think it's still on free preview, but Molinaro's one-on-one interview with Greg Vanny on TFC mm. Republic is an essential bit of reading. He's quite honest about. He's very proud that the kids got uh, got an extended run at the beginning half of the season, but he's pretty honest that you know he's like a lot of them weren't ready for for that kind of those kind of minutes in MLS, and they may never be. But you know he was he was proud to see that happen. I'll end on this because it's come up like crazy uh, is uh, uh, hold on. I'm just reading the uh, (laughs) not pandering. Gotcha. Uh, Who would you spend? Who, who, what kind of player would you spend TFC's remaining DP spot on? This question comes up every single week and it will keep coming up. up I I think like four different ways. (laughs) So if
2: Osorio leaves central midfielder, if
1: a number eight, pure if, number eight.
2: If he doesn't leave or for whatever reason Jimenez can't find his form for the rest of the year, that's a much more difficult answer because you can go either way. Either you're number nine, you can find someone who's not DP level that hopefully will produce better than Jesus, or you can mm-hmm. find a midfielder who's not DP level that can maybe not produce at the same level as Osorio, but gives you very good value and you don't mm-hmm. need to spend a DP slot on them. So it's either central midfielder, striker. It really depends what goes on in the offseason and the rest of the way here.
1: So pure pure number eight is what you would suggest to replace Osorio if he leaves. Yes, because Bob Bradley, okay. we know he wants to play that 4 3 Gotcha.
0: Mikey? Angolo Conte, I've already answered this question. <laughs> 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 I've already answered this Seth question.
1: Fabregas. No, he's not Italian at Yeah, no, Yeah, no, yeah, no. yeah. No, yeah. No,
0: just go get the midfielder that does everything. He's a free agent at the end of the season. Go for it. Why not? What do you got to lose? Um, Far, no, but in, in all seriousness, Chris answered what I was gonna. do. No, oh, Chris'
1: I, answer is perfect. But right, it's perfect. It, to you, me, you
0: either if also stays, yeah. then you know what you can do with that DP. If he doesn't, then you're gonna have to find somebody who can kind of fill that. Whether it's in with a DP spot or not, which is yeah. gonna be really hard to do. Um, but again. If you could go get in goal content, go get the guy who can do everything, who can win the ball and progress the ball and and can score goals for you as well. Can he
1: play on turf and can he play three games a week in Miami Heat? That's that's something we got to worry about. I would like to find listen. Out. The thing that, when, whenever I hear this question, I think back to a discussion we had on this show maybe a month ago, maybe less, which was when Berna and Jimenez were arguing over that penalty kit. And someone was saying, well, you know, Jimenez isn't isn't getting that PK because he's not a DP. It occurs to me that when we have two DP wingers, we may be stuck in a situation where we can't get away with a non-DP striker just because the egos are too big and we got to have an equal ego at the front of the Trident. Again, Chris's answer was perfect. I'm just spitballing here, but that's something that I consistently come up with when I'm asked this question is that maybe we need that kind of, you know, cause DPs are weird and, and MLS is weird with this, this DP tag. And we saw it when, when Bradley gave up his DP tag uh, for the betterment of the club, he lost a bit of his, of his, of his weight in the locker room. He got it back, but he lost a bit of it. Uh, and I'm just wondering if, you know, we may have, we may be stuck into a DP number nine because of our DP wingers. That's my, that's my stake on the situation. Fair. fair like (laughs) all right right. i am going to prepare for uh the queue up to the to the exit mike why don't you take this out chris it was it was such a pleasure man we got to have you back this was unbelievable this was a hell of a discussion absolutely
0: chris can we tell the uh tell listeners where they can find you on all the socials and where you're writing
1: uh they can find me on waking
0: the
2: red i'm a writer there um jeff would love for my actual uh work to be called non-fungible tactics it so should maybe be in the future it we should will. be it and absolutely I, should be go
0: trade market
2: my mm-hmm. twitter handle is non-fungible tact so it's almost there but that's all they would allow me to fit on my handle uh one name to keep out for um i don't know if we'd sign him on a prayer in the winter would be someone like a giacomo uh bonaventura on fiorentina he's essentially i like that name so that's a hell of a good name just one to look out for because we know bill manning likes to go on to uh transfer, transfer market Marcus. and look at upcoming <laughs> free agents so oh
1: my goodness <laughs> if we sign him we you saw it here first everyone yeah. TF- tfc live you saw it there here first. Go. there you go but all that's right where you can well,
2: find me and it was an absolute pleasure thank
0: you so much for oh man like, such amazing. a pleasure it's great to have you on uh we'll be back next week with another toronto till i die mike singh will be back uh jeff you will be back so I think the Hopefully three of are back yeah, yeah. in the saddle yeah, the again. That's uh, yeah, yeah, so yeah That's, a, that's awesome. Uh, the Tunnel Club will also be back on Thursday after the uh, LA uh, Galaxy game. Uh, myself and Sean will break uh, Action Down. We'll both be in the South End uh, for that one. It'll be my first live game. I haven't seen the Italians actually play live yet. I know. Um, it's weird. I know. I, I've, it's been a while.
1: Uh, Jet there.
0: I know. But uh, I will be there. We'll be back Thursday. And we'll also be back. Uh, after the Montreal game, which is also coming up this weekend uh, with a post-gamer as well. Uh, As always, if you're listening to this on podcast, please like, subscribe, uh, leave a review if you can. It helps us on the old algorithm and and beat that old trap. That would be amazing. Uh, But for Jeffrey P. Nesker, for Chris Bong, my name is Mike Newell. Thanks for listening to Toronto until I Die. We'll see you next week. Cheers,
1: guys. Cheers. And...
0: And wait, and wait, and baby, I'm TFC till I die!